Suddenly Burrell felt old and tired. He had been in the squadron for almost twenty years, ever since he was seventeen, and in all these years the great game of stars. The strain, the worry, had never let up. It must have been nice in a way, Burrell thought, in the old days, a couple of centuries ago, when the United Worlds still governed, in fact, from Earth, and all the star squadrons were part of one galactic fleet whose struggles were only with the natural perils of the galaxy itself. But that had not lasted long. The trouble was that it got too big, too fast. It should have taken millennia to expand so widely. But the fact that on scores of E-type star worlds, they had found peoples completely human in every respect, had upset all calculations. The anthropologists were still arguing whether that was because original germinal spores of life, seeding worlds of similar type, had produced identical chains of evolution, or whether there had been a long-ago spread of some human stock through all these worlds. Opinion inclined to the latter theory, but it really didn't matter. What mattered was that finding all these star peoples, some of them semi-barbaric, but others almost up to the technical level of Earth, had accelerated the expected slow expansion into human explosion across the vast areas of the galaxy. Too big, too fast. The United Worlds that had been set up back on Earth had handled it for a while, but it could not govern that vast sprawl of stars at anything like a local level. That was when the sectors had been set up, the subdivisions of the UW, and that, thought Beryl, was when things had taken a different path. There were five great sectors, and there were five governors who headed the sector councils, Soleramos of Orion, Vorn of Cephas, Jania of Leo, Stro of Perseus, Ferdias of Lyra, and all of them jealous of each other. Five great proconsuls, paying only lip service allegiance to the shadowy UW far away on Earth, all of them hungry for space, hungry for power. Yes, even Ferdias, thought Burrell. Ferdias was the man he served, respected, and even loved in a craggy sort of way. But Ferdias, like the others, played a massive game of chess with men and sons, moving his squadrons here and his undercover operatives there, laboring ceaselessly to hold on to what he had, and perhaps enlarging his sector just a little, a small star system here and a minor cluster there, and the game went on. Then this mission was part of it. Ferdias wanted to know if Orion ships were secretly basing in here where they had no business to be. This cluster was no man's land, part of the buffer zones that were supposed to reduce friction between the sectors. Actually, stellar wildernesses like this one were the scenes of frequent, nameless little struggles that were never reported at all. Burrell hoped not too strongly that he was not about to start another such. "'We're getting close,' said Garstang. Burrell shook himself and got down to business. There followed a few minutes of activity on split-second timing, and then the star song was shuddering to the vibration of her mass reconverters as she plunged toward a bright world almost dangerously close to her. There was still no sign of an enemy, and the communicators remained silent.
An hour later, by ship's chrono, they had located the one port of entry listed for the planet, and they had set the star song down in the middle of a large piece of natural desert that served well enough for what little space traffic ever came here. It was night on this side of the planet. There was no moon, but on a cluster world a moon is a useless luxury. The sky blazes with a million stars, so that day is replaced not by darkness, but by light of another sort soft and many-colored, full of strange glimmers and flitting shadows. By this eerie star-glow, though, the now unshuttered ports, a town of sorts, was visible about a mile away. Otherwise, there was nothing. No ships, no base, no legions from Orion sector.